0: Well, good morning again. It's good to be with you for worship today. And uh, good morning to all of you who are with us online this morning from many different locations. We know you're out there. We see you on the internet. We love you and we welcome you. Um, I looked back on my calendar this week. We started planning for this day, October 11th of last year, the long-awaited summer series that we do every single year. And this one is in Genesis. So please turn to Genesis chapter 1. That's page 1 of your Bible. (laughs) But to make it easy for you, before we dive into the text, I want to update you on our campaign called Made for More. And then I'll talk a little bit about this little treat that we have for you, and then we'll get into the word. Made for More is moving along quite nicely And I'm so proud of our church family for the progress that we've made. As you'll see on the screen, uh, we have received $950,000 towards this campaign, towards our goal. That includes the $350,000 of seed money that we launched this campaign with back in September. From that amount... Our leadership team approved by vote a few months ago to pay off $400,000 of that debt a little bit early. And with the remaining cash on hand, now I'm telling you this today as an announcement, but I promise you we're gonna celebrate the mess out of this later. But I'm telling you with the remaining cash on hand, we have reached our goal of eliminating our mortgage this summer. Come on, (laughs) to God be the glory. We will pay that off soon, and I want you to know that although we've made great progress, we are not done. We have $150,000 that has been pledged already, but not turned in. So if that's you, hey, I'm Adam, fulfill that pledge sometime this summer, please, to help us finish this campaign. Um, And also, we have $300,000 to go in this campaign to fulfill our mission's commitments not only to our local partner, Bixby Outreach Center, but also our international partner, Mission of Hope, in Haiti and the DR. Now, I've confirmed this week, I went to Sandra's office and confirmed, we have 643 active families that participate in the life of this church. 643 active families. I think that we can do this $300,000 left if we work together pretty easily. Do you? I think we can tackle this. And when we finally hit 1.4, all that leftover change at the end of the campaign is going to fix our HVAC unit on the roof that recently caught on fire and also a few roof repairs. Part of loving and caring for your pastors is making sure that they don't have to run down the hall to put out fires. (laughs) Every church has people who cause Figurative fires. And that's fine. We're prepared for that in pastoral ministry. We don't want literal ones. Is that fair? So let's finish this campaign. Our summer series uh, for many years have been lengthy ones, all the way back to 2016, uh, which was our first summer here. We've gone through Galatians, parables of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. The book of Acts. Hopefully, this is triggering some fond memories of what we've studied together. The Gospel of John, the Psalms. Boy, was that a wonderful, worshipful summer as we walked through the Psalms. And last summer, Romans. And now, today, until August 13th, Genesis. We have been anticipating this, as I mentioned earlier, for a very long time. And as we journey together, our attention will focus in, laser focus on creation, which is today's topic. Adam and Eve, the fall, Cain and Abel, Noah, the Tower of Babel, the Abrahamic Covenant, Abraham and Isaac, Melchizedek, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, Joseph's dreams, and then All That Happened Between Joseph and His Brothers. To accompany this series, we have a couple of treats for you. You've heard about one of them, which I'll mention again. But first, a team of 30 authors has prepared this book for you. I prayed about it and considered selling them for $50 each so we could finish the campaign today. (laughs) But you actually can just pick up a copy on your way out for free today as a gift as we walk through this series together. So I do wanna take a moment here. Writing team, thank you. For months, you have dedicated time, prayer, collaboration with other writers, research, um, and, and for just sharing your insights that you have gleaned as you have studied the scriptures so diligently to write this book. I'd like to give more honor where honor is due today. Thank you to our lead editors, Tammy Roach and Andrea Stevens. Thank you to our content editors, Dave Brown, Linda Ewing, Rick Long, Marilyn Lynch, Allison Myers, and Christy Tackett. These were all huge jobs, I promise you. There are many days that I would walk down the hall and see the door closed, and I would just not bother them because they were getting this book ready. Thank you to our tag team of editors in chief—the uh, two that really put this on on their shoulders and carried it to completion: Dave Brown and Jenna Fell. I would just invite you to put your hands together for all who contributed to this. As you heard a moment ago, our children's art gallery opens today with art from our preschool and elementary kids. And on June 4th, uh, all of the artists in our church that have been working again for months to provide, to prepare for this series and provide uh, really Genesis-inspired artwork, that's gonna be in this hallway. We've already installed lighting for it and we really know that it's going to complement this series. So to all of our artists... And I've seen much of their work. Um, I know that this has been a co-creating season with the Holy Spirit. I, our artists have not sat down with their canvas and just put something out there. It's, it's really been them and the Lord and a, and a wonderful uh, story. So thank you so much. Last word about the book. Before you dive into this book, you need to read pages two and three. It's titled, How to Use This Book. So we try to make it quite simple for you, and on those two pages you'll find a description of the types of entries that the book contains. Understanding the story, living the story, and illustrating the story. Most importantly, I want you to hear from me today that this book is meant to accompany your study of Genesis this summer. It is meant to be a supplement, meaning when you sit down in the morning and you study, your Bible is front and center and this book is not. Please start with the Word of God and if you only have enough time every morning, you devote that time to the Word of God only and then let the Genesis book complement it. Is that okay? Start with your Bible. Look to your neighbor and say, start with your Bible. And we're gonna do that right now. We're gonna start with Genesis. I found out this morning from Henry Grunst, and I don't like to brag, but I'm gonna, right now. I found out that today I am setting a record at Redeemer Church for the most slides in a sermon. (laughs) And here's why, as I'm preparing I just dumped Genesis 1-1 to 2-3 in my notes, and here's why, I think the creation narrative is a lot like the Christmas narrative. We read it, we learn it, a lot of times in our youth, we believe it, and perhaps we even wrestle with it. But then we don't return to it, right? Because we've kinda been there, done that. Yeah, in the beginning, God created. Yeah, Christ was born. So we can be guilty of glossing over this story, and I don't want us to today, so I'm going to read it. It'll be on the screen on 14 slides, and it's beautiful, so please enjoy this. Marvel at what you're about to hear. Close your eyes. Lay back. Put your head down. I don't care. Enjoy this creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven or sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit, trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind." the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day, chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. That he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. And now I shall rest. Henry, you okay? We made it. Isn't that beautiful? As beautiful as the doctrine of creation is, it is so complex. It is challenging to us. Throughout time, the creation narrative has been a launch pad of endless debate and dispute, not only around dinner tables, but at the most scholarly levels. What was God doing before creation? How old or young is the earth? Was one day a literal 24-hour period? How does the doctrine of creation relate to modern science? Are they completely Contradictory? In what ways does the biblical teaching on creation reject the idea of dualism? And people also come here to learn about dinosaurs, cavemen, angels, astronomy, and the list goes on and on. Here's a sticky one, creation versus evolution. There was a little girl who one time approached her mother and she said, Mom, how did the human race appear after all? And the mother said, well, honey, God made Adam and Eve, gave them the command to multiply, and thus humanity was created. That's why we're here. A few days later, the little girl went to her father, daddy, How did the human race appear after all? And he said, well, long ago, there were monkeys, and through a process of evolution, humans evolved. Hmm. She went back to her mother. Mom, this is quite interesting. I came to you and asked about the origin of humanity, and you told me that God created Adam and Eve, and they multiplied and were here, but then Dad told me that we evolved from an animal. What, I'm I'm confused. And she said, sweetheart, it's quite simple. I just told you about my family tree and your father told you about his. (laughs) Just two family trees. They give me 25 minutes. We're not wading into these things today. Sorry. Sorry. And I doubt anyone came here for some comprehensive sermon today that unpacks everything about the doctrine of creation. That's impossible. If that's your expectation, it might be a tad bit unfair. So in my remaining time, I just want to do three things today together. I'd like us to define creation, and there are many. I have one for us, but There are many. I want to support that definition with scripture. And then finally, I just wanna give you what I think are a few important reasons that you need to continue in your spiritual journey to study the doctrine of creation and how that applies to your walk with Jesus today. So here's a working definition. Um, It comes, I, I picked a safe one here, okay, because it comes from Millard Erickson who authored a 1,300-page book that I had to read on theology and seminary. Thank you, Erickson, for this. He writes, creation is the work of God in bringing into being without the use of any pre-existing materials everything that is. Let's, let's look at that again. The work of God in bringing into being without the use of any pre-existing materials, everything that is. In simple terms, we affirm that the whole of what now exists was begun by God's act of bringing it into existence and in doing so, He did not fashion or adapt something that already was to create what he created. You following me, or at least following Erickson? You might hear the term ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. This ex nihilo doctrine of creation is seen throughout the New Testament, and so now let me offer a few New Testament passages that support this doctrine of ex nihilo creation out of nothing. Matthew twenty four twenty one, from the beginning of the world. Mark thirteen nineteen. From the beginning of creation, which God created. Romans 1 20. Since the creation of the world. Second Peter three, four, from the beginning of creation. Hebrews thirteen three. As God created the world, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What is seen is not made out of pre-existing material. A quick word about our existentialist philosophical view of the word nothing. I'm just gonna camp out on nothing for a sec. My kids and I were on the couch the other day and we were having a wonderful conversation uh, talking through some deep questions. It was really fun and deep. And this question came up. Can we actually do nothing? Or is doing nothing actually doing something? I just invited you to my couch. Can we actually do nothing? Or if I'm doing nothing, is the nothing that I'm doing actually doing nothing? Something. So I bring this up because for some, in the context of creation, nothing has become something. It has become regarded as something from which everything could have been made by God. So my proposal to you as we wrestle with creation is this. My proposal is that nothing is actually the absence of reality, Thus, I recommend the phrase previously used in this definition, without the use of pre-existing materials, I offer that to you as what I think is better, a better understanding of nothing. To summarize, ex nihilo, creation out of nothing, how did the absence of reality become reality? God Spoke. That's it. The mere statement from God, "Let there be light," was sufficient for life, light to come into existence. His word—it's enough. And he didn't fashion or adapt any pre-existing materials to create light, he just spoke. Let there be light. So there's a definition, a little supportive scripture from the New Testament of the concept of ex nihilo as we see all over the New Testament. Here let me conclude with a few reasons that I think it's important that we continue on our own time in your own space with the Lord to learn and study and research and examine creation. And then we get to worship. One, the Bible places great emphasis on creation, right? It's not Genesis 1-1, it says in the fourth century. Genesis 1-1, in the Reformation, takes us back in the beginning, and it's one of the first proclamations in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Boy, does this simplify it for us or what? We study this because this plays such a critical role in the way that God introduces himself to us in Scripture. Number two, creation is a significant part of the church's teaching throughout history it should be discussed, it should be examined, it should be wrestled with and caught and taught in our classrooms and from the pulpit. How does the Apostles' Creed start? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven, creation. We're declaring historical belief in the church that's been passed on to us as we rigorously study biblical history and we incorporate it into our liturgy today we reinforce our church heritage. Three, creation plays a role in preserving doctrine. To use Millard Erickson again from his book, Christian Theology, since the universe is God's doing rather than a mere chance happening, we are able to discern something about the nature and the will of God from an examination of creation. Now listen here, alter the doctrine of creation at any point, and you have also altered these other aspects of Christian doctrine. Erickson is saying, we need to be careful to discern when doctrine is not just being challenged, but changed. Okay? God is not intimidated when we challenge. But we cannot change doctrine. Challenging, questioning, examining, debating, all good. Changing doctrine, not good, number four. Creation helps us differentiate Christianity from other religions and worldviews. So when we hear other creation narratives, and many have similarities to Genesis 1, we can't confuse them as a part of our Genesis 1 creation story. God's creation story, as it points to the life and redeeming work of Jesus Christ from the very beginning, is never to be added to. It is never to be subtracted from. It is never to be joined together or intertwined with any other religion or worldview. It stands alone. Number five, creation is a point of dialogue between Christianity and natural science. Yes, it may seem that theology and science are running in parallel lanes and any intersection is dangerous. But I remember reading a great book years ago on science and faith and the meaning of life. And the author of this book is both a physicist and a priest. And he argues, can a vegetarian be a butcher? Yes, of course. And that's why he can dabble in both theology and science and so can we. So study the relationship between theology and science while guarding yourself and inviting the Holy Spirit to protect you from any extreme positions. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. And here we are beginning our journey through this story together. Let's enjoy the ride. Would you please stand to your feet and worship? Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church Podcast. To stay connected with all that God is doing here at Redeemer, you can visit RedeemerTulsa.org or find us on Facebook or Instagram. Have a blessed week.